This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cuckoo writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks, and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Zuza Zak to the podcast today. Zuza is a cook, author and a storyteller who explores the food of Eastern Europe through tales and recipes. She has written three books, Polska, Amber and Rye, and her latest, Pierogi, which delves deep into the regional recipes for the famous Polish dumplings of the same name. Welcome, Zuza. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for coming. Um, we're also in this podcast going to take a deep dive into pierogi today. But first, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to write the book? Yes. Um, so I've been exploring sort of Polish and East European food for a little while now. Well, it's quite funny because I wrote my first cookbook, Polska, um, to kind of disprove a comment uh, sort of leveled at me at a party once that Polish food is only dumplings. And the way it was said, it was a bit of an insult. So <laughs> I kind of went out to prove that Polish food was so much more than that. And I think um, the climate has changed around East European food a lot in recent years. So I think I've come full circle and now decided to explore those dumplings. Yeah, and embrace it. And, and I, embrace I it. I think you called it your dumpling wonderland, didn't you? Your pierogi wonderland. Yes. 
<laughs> it's a celebration of the dumplings. Yeah. And what kind of research did you do to put the book together? Yes, I, I did a lot of research, but it was, was not the research that I thought I was going to do. So I thought I was going to travel around Poland because I always knew it was going to be a regional book. Yeah. Um, however, the pandemic uh, put a stop to that. Um, so what I did instead, I did the usual of a lot of library research at um, CIS, School of Slavonic and East European Studies, where I'm doing my PhD. They've got a lot of cookbooks and the British Library, which are brilliant. Um, and apart from that, just um, my own old cookbooks, my mum's old cookbooks. And when I go to Poland, I just, you know, really track down all the really old ones that I can find. But I have a lot of people also sort of looking out for me and collecting those books, like for when I couldn't go to Poland. But a big part of the research this time, actually, I did online. So I reached out to my Instagram community um, because I know a lot of them have Polish heritage and some connections to, to Poland. And I just asked them about their favorite dumplings and about any uh, recipes they remember from childhood, especially anything unusual. And I just had a lot of um, a lot of uh, response and um, a lot of people that kind of were so willing to share their yeah. food memories. And not only that, to procure those recipes for me from, you know, their grandmothers, aunties, people who don't necessarily have the Internet. So it wasn't that easy, but um, I managed to get a lot of interesting recipes that way. Amazing book and there's such a wide variety of styles and shapes and cookery things and we'll get we'll get into all of that as we go through the podcast um first let's get into the fundamentals you said the oldest pierogi dough is just flour salt oil and hot water so really simple a lot of old babushkas kind of use this recipe still and i just sort of see them um, it's just putting a pile of flour on their table, sticking some salt in there, rubbing some oil in with their fingertips, and then pouring some really hot water in, and first mixing with a with a fork to bring it together, and then kneading it. Wow. And that's it. So it's, I still use that dough for some of my recipes, the more traditional ones. I think it's appropriate to do that, and and it's a great recipe. Butter instead of oil is another option, um, but now most people use eggs. Um, and they say that that actually came from Italy. We've had a lot of culinary influences from Italy um, throughout the centuries and things. So they say that the eggs came from that direction and everyone has got their own kind of dough, their favourite recipe for dough. So I tried to show as many recipes for dough as I could within the book. Yeah, fantastic. Do the eggs just add a kind of elasticity to the dough? or It's actually Funnily Richness. enough, it can be actually really elastic without the eggs. Oh, okay. I think they kind of enrich it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, enrich it. Mm, the fantastic. Um, and next you're going to tell us about the most popular pierogi in the world, which are pierogi ruski. Ruskia, yeah. Or ruski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's correct. So um, I think because this is such a versatile filling of curd cheese, or you can use any kind of white soft cheese, yeah. caramelised onion and cooked potato that you can really make these the world over. And it's such a delicious filling as yeah. well. So Polonia, the the world over, has been kind of um, changing and adapting it. Um, and I think because of that, this is just the most uh, popular filling. And I've done variations on it within the book. Yeah. Because in my first cookbook, I had the kind of typical, you know, the usual filling that I talked about before. And um, I wanted to kind of show various ways you could change the filling. So, for example, you could do cheddar 
instead of the soft cheese like the old Polonia in England used yeah, to you do. Yeah, said, I think in the book you said that, you know, people yeah. who come to stay here, with this, you know, just adapted and use cheddar and it's actually really good cheese to use. It's delicious. <laughs> it's, I mean, it doesn't taste exactly like pierogi ruskie in Poland, but it's absolutely delicious. So the cheese, it's got a special name, hasn't it? It's, I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Sorry, twarog? It's twarog, twarog. Twarog, yeah. Yeah. And what is what kind of cheese is that? It's, it's basically like a curd cheese. It's sort of similar to ricotta, but it's more sour. Oh, okay. So ricotta is actually a very good replacement. Yeah. Um, if you go to a Polish shop, you'll find tvarog in every Polish shop. Yeah. Um, and also nowadays they make smoked tvarog, which is delicious and also works really well in these pierogi. Because in the book, one, one of the chapters I was reading, you were talking about sourness and how it's a really important flavour in Polish cooking and how you used, when you were young, you used to drink sour milk, which you said sounds a bit weird, but actually it's it was, you know, milk fresh from the cow that you literally just leave out for... Uh, an afternoon or or a, a day, and then the next day it's got a slight tang to it. Oh, absolutely! So you get the the buttermilk, and then you get that soured milk, which is basically like kefir. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, nowadays everyone sort of uh, drinks kefir instead. But actually, if you can get milk fresh from a cow yeah. and leave it out on a hot windowsill, it does just naturally turn into yeah. soured milk and yeah. and it's and not off milk. milk. It's just it's, yeah, slightly it's not off at all. fermented. Yeah. Absolutely, it's fermented. Yeah. It's delicious. I yeah. love that. All my life, I thought pierogi ruskie were from Russia because yeah. that's what it sounds like, and I think a lot of people thought that. Um, when I went to Russia, no one had ever heard of them. <laughs> and um, it turns out that actually it was from the Rush, who were the Ukrainians back in the day. Oh. So actually, uh, those pierogi were from those regions. Yeah. Um, however, the story gets slightly complicated because when Poland and Ukraine were part of the same country, apparently those were called pierogi polskie. And then when we sp- when they split, yeah. uh, they became ruskie. But nowadays, um, I think because of everything that's happening, there's such a solidarity in Poland with the Ukraine that people have renamed them Ukrainian, which I guess is more appropriate and more accurate. Yeah, It just shows you as well how food kind of goes down that journey, doesn't it, from things happening and changing. But um, still got that amazing dumpling at the end of it. I meant to say as well that the... uh, the pierogi ruski, we've actually got them, um, your recipe for it online on olivemagazine.com. You're kind enough to give it to us. So if anyone wants to go and investigate making them, I do. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a good one to start with. I think that's a perfect one to start with because it, it's just so simple yeah. and um, and it's just got a lot of history to it. And, you know, it's not for no reason that everyone around the whole world loves them. They they really are really Yeah, I mean, the combination delicious. of cheese, potato, onions, what, what's not to like? <laughs> yes, exactly. You can't lose with that. I love it. Next, tell us about the, uh, the saint of pierogi. <laughs> so <laughs> this actually ties in also uh, to the Ruthenian pierogi because uh, there is one legend that uh, Święty Jacek, who is the saint of pierogi, yeah. uh, brought those pierogi ruskie from current day Ukraine um, over to Poland. Um, but there are various stories about him. There's also um, stories of him feeding people with pierogi during a siege which is very um, likely because he was a monk and that's what the monks okay, did. They yeah. helped the people yeah. eat when there were problems and famines and sieges. Um, so there's a little prayer to him, actually, uh, which kind of uh, just asks him 
to make sure that pierogi are always on the table. Well, that's so nice. When do you say that prayer? Like as you're making it or <laughs> as you're serving it? Or? I'm not sure anyone really <laughs> makes, says that prayer anymore. I think now uh, people are just kind of like interested in the fact that there is one. Yeah. But I think back um, when uh, food wasn't so easily obtainable, yeah. I think people would say that prayer probably um as they serve the pierogi like, before like eating as you say them. grace like yeah exactly and, and christian thing exactly yeah. because yeah. they are a peasant food yeah. i mean they, that's how they started off eventually everyone yeah. loved pierogi but they were peasant food and they're part of that kind of culture and that means that food wasn't always available next we were going to talk about different occasions and that different occasions mean different names for the dumplings tell us about that this isn't this doesn't happen so much anymore but um in the historically uh, there were many different types of pierogi they weren't all called pierogi you would for example get knisha which i have in my book uh served at wakes okay and they were like a yeasted fried uh, pierogi so just a little bit bigger usually stuffed with the ruske filling uh, but i have a different recipe in my book with lamb and barley because that's also another uh, filling uh, that they're stuffed with and now you will only really find them in the Bieszczady mountains okay. of Poland so they've kind of adopted them over there and yeah. you'll get either one of those two fillings but interestingly knisze that name has been taken to mean all sorts of things and when I was talking to some Polish people they know knisze from Wrocław which are actually kind of more like kebabs oh really <laughs> yeah so there's all kinds of um variations from one one region to the next um at weddings you used to get uh, kurniki which were little baked pierogi stuffed with um with chicken oh nice yeah so so depending on the the occasion yes. different names but but always a dumpling i guess uh, so there were yes so there were always some kinds of dumplings for various different celebrations sadly this doesn't really happen anymore i've been to quite a few wakes in poland and i've never been served knisze but i'm sort of trying to bring those yeah, traditions back i like that idea yeah and for your next point, you said you can't actually stuff pierogi with anything you like. And I know this might speak a little bit to the um, you, a whole chapter of your uh, book is about modern um, interpretations, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. So I wanted to show the kind of uh, all the traditional uh, regional aspects of uh, Polish dumplings. But then I wanted to have fun with them as well. Yeah. Um, Although the gluten-free chapter, I have to say, was not fun. Was it hard? <laughs> yes, it was really hard. <laughs> but you tried. I mean, that's really kind of you to be <laughs> yeah, inclusive. With exactly. That. I wanted to be inclusive. Um, but I did have a lot of fun just stuffing them and experimenting with lots of leftovers. Yeah. And uh, just with different flavor combinations. And I think once you start making them, you realize, you know, it, there's such a it's such a simple dish. And then there's so much versatility to it as well. So, for example, I have Boxing Day pierogi, which are stuffed with leftover roast dinner. Oh, wow. In the festive that's section. such a good idea. Yeah. Also, that really, you know, that's kind of really what foods... I, I was talking to um, Avashi Rowe last week about uh, Gujarati cooking, and she said a lot of the stuff that she grew up eating was... Uh, was form from leftovers, you know, taken into some other way. And that's a great way. I think you said in the book that, you know, maybe it was those like Polish cooks 
thinking, what am I going to do with these leftovers? And I'll make, I'll roll out some dough, I'll stuff them and then I'll top them with something and they get a whole new life. I think so. I think this is, you know, there are so many different kind of legends about uh, where dumplings came from. And I think, you know, if women who were in kitchens historically for, you know, hundreds of years, yeah. and if they had flour, water and oil, I mean, of course, they would put them together and make a dough and then stuff leftovers in it. I mean, that would just kind of seem like the sensible thing to do. And I think that's kind of the unwritten history of women in kitchens the world over. And you mentioned the regional differences, because I think you said, um, if I'm right about this, in the north, because you're near the Baltic Sea, uh, a lot of fish in the south, there's a speciality, which is a smoked sheep's milk cheese, which sounds gorgeous, fantastic. So that kind of goes regionally as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. So there are uh, so many kind of um, regional variations and what's traditional in one area isn't traditional in another area. And even there's so many differences between the households. Yeah. Um, so I kind of really wanted to explore that because I find that so interesting about home cooking. Um, and unfortunately, some of those sort of uh, things are kind of dying out with the older generations. I come across so many uh, younger Poles that, you know, never make pierogi yeah. and I wanted to kind of uh, show that you know we can really celebrate them and just have them as our as part of the repertoire you know we don't have to make them every day but yeah. I love that let's talk a little bit about Christmas it's it's slightly unseasonal but pierogi on because you said um, every single Polish household will eat at Christmas time sauerkraut and mushroom pierogi if that's what they're having <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Christmas is actually just around the corner, funnily enough, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Basically, um, I would. I don't think that's an exaggeration that yeah. every household in Poland eats sauerkraut and mushroom pierogi at Christmas. Okay. It's just one of those um, dishes that is common the whole country over. Um, we have uh, 12 or 13 uh, meat-free dishes on Christmas Eve, and that's our main uh, meal. Um, so usually we'll have uh, those pierogi and um, some kind of ushka, little ears. Um, in my area, that would be in borscht, but they could be in fish soup. They could be in a mushroom broth or something like that. And then there are so many different kind of regional things that people make as well with poppy seeds, mushrooms, beetroot. Those are those kind of Christmassy flavors. Yeah. So is, is the main is that the main meal served on Christmas Eve? Um, it's kind of difficult to say what the main meal is because they just kind of keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's a bit like Christmas the world over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so you start off with lots of uh, cold uh, dishes on the table, zakonski. Uh, so you'll have lots of kind of herrings and salads and things like that. And then the first thing I guess you would get is a dumpling soup. And then you would go on to some warm dishes and one of them would be the pierogi there would probably also be um, some other sauerkraut or cabbage dish um, and and a fish. Yeah. That's also always on the table, some kind of warm fish. And then, and then the uh, desserts would come out. Sometimes there's also um, a warm sweet course. 
yeah. before the cakes, which might include some kind of um, sweet pierogi or dumplings. Oh, okay, so dumplings feature in throughout. The next one is really cute, pierogi, or simply small pierogi. So they're like baby, baby dumplings. <laughs> Yeah. And you said they come in all kinds of shapes. Tell, tell us about them. Um, yeah, pierogi can kind of uh, really be anything. Um, they can be a smaller pierogi. Uh, they can also be a, sort of a, a sweet kind of pierogi snack. For example, in Poland's first cookbook, Compedium Ferculorum, in the 16th century, that was um, a cookbook written by um, a noble man's chef. And uh, he didn't have any pierogi in there, unsurprisingly, because they were a peasant dish. But he did have some pierogi stuffed with things like rose petals and things like that, rose petal jam, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and then you can have pierogi, which are basically just small pierogi stuffed with the same kind of fillings even. Yeah. Um, but just smaller in size, um, usually so they can fit in broth. I was going to ask that. So it's like a thing that you would use in broth rather than serve up with. Yes. Um, unless they're just sort of small pierogi shapes with something sweet inside, then they're more of like a sort of tidbit. They're not proper pierogi, but they're pierogi, which are just like not proper food, snack food. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Some more and more like different categories of... <laughs> I like it. And, um, and lastly, you've, you've used the book you said, to highlight all kinds of Polish dumplings. So t tell us a bit about some of the different ways you make and serve them, because I know that you bake them. You've mentioned the broth. Tell us about a few of the broths, you know, the kinds of toppings you would have, just so people get a sense of once you've got once you've made your dumplings, how do you cook it and how do you serve it? The okrasa, which is the toppings, are really important as well, because I think that's some way you can get quite creative as well. So with pierogi, um, you can always just have them boiled, and then with a, a topping of, say, caramelized or crispy onion and soured cream. But um, I always like to fry them after they've been boiled in some butter. And then uh, the savory ones you can serve uh, with onions or little bacon bits. Or recently in Poland, I had kind of um, fried celeriac bits. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, for the sweet ones... Um, you can use a topping of, say, honey, um, toasted nuts, almonds, for example, and then the soured cream. The soured cream is kind of uh, universal. It goes with everything. It does, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the pierogi, uh, which maybe you could make into like sort of like a little envelope shape or a little um, sort of rectangle shape. And then you could have them in, for example, something like beetroot broth or wild mushroom broth. Um, I found a recipe actually for Easter pierogi from uh, the Mazura Lake District, which I've never tried before. And it was for a fermented rice soup, brzurek, which is very popular at Easter time. Yeah. And in it, you would usually have um, some sausage and a boiled egg. Um, but this lady kind of made um, an egg filling inside some pierogi. Yeah. which would be sort of a little bit bigger and they would be stuffed with kind of egg and chives and stuff like that and then served inside the soup. Wow. So I guess people do sort of get, have got creative, creative over the years. Yeah. yeah. So even like traditional cooks are taking it in different directions. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I was going to say if anyone's, you know, worried that they can't create these dumplings, um, your book has 
a brilliant chapter at the beginning, sort of introducing you to the making and the rolling and the testing of the dough. And it's very step by step. And there's some lovely pictures in there of how to roll and how to shape them. You've got your different shapes with uh, some really fun ways of like crimping the edges to make them into sunshine shapes yeah. and just crimping them with a fork or like sort of twist them over almost like a, a Cornish pasty, that yeah. sort of little yeah. pleat, would you call it? Yeah, that's a great way of keeping the filling inside, yeah. actually. So if I'm making them with my children, then it's always good to do the kind of fold over yeah. pleat just to keep the filling in, because if you're boiling them, then you don't want the filling to fall out. However, if you're steaming or um, baking your pierogi, which is a slightly different dough, yeah. then it doesn't really matter so much. Because it'll just it'll sort of set before it escapes. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's quite a bit more foolproof, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I would say that I think pierogi are easier to make generally than pasta, that it's a lot more, um, it's a very rustic dish. Yeah. So um, it's, it's something that, you know, people are sort of afraid of until they try it. And then whenever they sort of see me making them, they're always quite surprised at the simplicity of it yeah. and the ease. Fantastic. Well, if people want to go and get your book, it's called Pierogi and it's out now, published by Hardy Grant. Um, but thank you so much for coming to share everything with us today, Zuzah. What have you got planned for the rest of the year? Because I know you've done cookery classes yeah. and stuff in the past. Have you got anything coming up? Or? Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm doing a cookery demo for Knisha, which I mentioned earlier, uh, with Writer Cultures. Um, and basically you can um, register for that. If you go to my Instagram, then um, if you go to the link in my bio, then it's... Yeah. All clear, and there's also lots of pierogi videos on that um, showcase where I'm making all different types of pierogi, and I show how to do all the crimping styles, all the techniques. Sometimes it's easier just to see someone someone actually doing it, actually yeah. doing it, and then you see how simple yeah, it is. I'm going to go and watch them. And yeah. your uh, your Instagram is at Zuzazak Cooks, all one word. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, and I'm always putting little kind of uh, videos on there as well, just to sort of show how easy it is really well thanks for coming to chat to us again oh thank you so much for having me on thank you for listening to the olive podcast for recipes and more information head to olivemagazine.com do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats hacks and shortcuts and don't forget to subscribe at itunes acast spotify or wherever you get your podcasts